0: Thank you Pastor Sean and it's wonderful to be here and to continue on with our series that Pastor Kathy started last week. We've been looking and we've beginning a series titled The End of Me, What Does It Mean to Die to Yourself? Now we looked at a, a, a previous series and it unwrapped this but this continues to unwrap this in a far more practical way and it, it does so by looking at the Beatitudes, at these words that Jesus taught uh, that we read as Sean read in the Gospel of Matthew. What does it mean to die to yourself? What does that actually look like in practical ways? And this is an interesting passage here in the book of Matthew. This is the beginning of, of the Sermon on the Mount, some of Jesus' most are famous words and he begins with this idea of what it looks like to be blessed. I'd like you to try something for a moment, wherever you're sitting, wherever you are, um, if you're watching this or listening to this in the car, I don't encourage you to do what I'm about to suggest entirely but if you're sitting in a safe place, you may like to just close your eyes and just, just try to imagine something for a moment. Try to imagine a picture of a person or an individual who is blessed. Let an image come to mind. I wonder what comes to mind for you. I know for me it it will be someone who often has things in control. It will be someone who has life going well or life is going smoothly. It's usually a picture of someone dressed quite well, someone maybe financially well off. You could say that they are living the good life. You can open your eyes if you had closed them. And consider to think about this, this idea and this, this word. Think about how we use the word blessed in the normal goings of our life. We use it in different ways. For instance, oh, um, I went to the shops, I've been needing something and there was a sale on and I got the thing for half price. I, I feel so blessed. Oh, I got out of a parking ticket. Thank you, Lord. I, I'm blessed. Or maybe you, you got a raise at work. You've been working really hard and, and, and you finally get that raise. You come home and you say to your family, Guess what? I feel so blessed. I, I got that raise. We often use it in our language when things are going well, don't we? Things are going well. We say, I, I'm, I'm thankful. I feel very blessed. It's a term that we often use to describe the good life when things are going well, when it seems that favour is upon us. It's a way that we describe the so called good life. It's a life that we all aspire to. It's a life that we see promoted in all aspects of social media and on the media. It's that perfect life, the affluent life, good looking, well and even organically fed. Yet also her life lived with purpose and meaning. It's that that ideal picture of what we think life should be. However, Jesus shares some words with his disciples which will completely flip this picture on its head. He paints a picture of what it means to be truly blessed and it is far different than what we would normally expect and we have this recorded for us in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 5, which Sean has already read for us. He begins in this, this sermon that Jesus gives, in this teaching, to share these, these words, the Beatitudes, these, these, this picture of what God's people would look like and what a blessed life looks like in the kingdom of God. Jesus unpacks and defines what it truly means to be blessed in his kingdom. And so Jesus takes this Greek word, makarios, which by definition actually means fortunate or well off. And so as Jesus uses this word, there's no wordplay. He's using an actual term that up to that point in time would have been used to mean fortunate, well off, things are going well. But what Jesus does is to give us an upside down or back to front, completely absurd redefinition for this idea. And it seems to be in complete contradiction and in defiance to what we would normally believe. Think about it. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. But our culture says, fortunate are the strong in spirit, the headstrong, those who are confident. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. But our culture said, blessed are those who are happy, who are full of joy and who celebrate. Blessed are those who party. Blessed are those who turn up to red carpet events if they're so lucky enough to get a ticket. Jesus said, blessed are those who are humble. But in our culture, blessed are those who are well known, who are popular, who are famous, who have the most of all that life has to offer. Blessed are those who have the most followers on Facebook and the most views on YouTube. Jesus says blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice but in our world it seems fortunate are those who look out for number one, those who pursue their own dreams and desires at the expense of those around them who may even pursue well-meaning causes but for their own glory and for their own prominence. Jesus says blessed are those who are merciful But in our culture, blessed are those who were strong, who were independent. The fortunate ones are the initiators and the self-made, those who seek out opportunities and who turn them into profit. See, as we read Jesus' words and we look deeply, you might even be thinking, surely he didn't know what he was saying. Surely not. It doesn't seem like what a, a blessed life, a fortunate life looks like but Jesus knew exactly what he was saying and he meant every word. That in our brokenness, we find what we truly need in Jesus. In a place where we die to ourselves, where we surrender and we live for him, it's in this place that we truly find life and life to its fullest. Today, in part two of this 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 series of four, we're going to focus on this idea that God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. Think about it for a moment. This idea seems absurd as, as many other facets of this passage do. To think that we are fortunate in mourning. I mean, this is not what it means to be fortunate or to be blessed in our world today. Mourning is not a blessing. Mourning is suffering. It's loss. It's pain. It's regret. It's tears. Mourning happens when things don't go the way we had planned or when life is far more difficult and painful than when we thought it might be. Mourning is our response to loss, not to gain. It's our response when we lose loved ones or when desires or dreams go unmet. It can be a loss of finance. It can be a loss of our comforts. It can be a loss of our control. We often mourn the way things were. Have you found yourself talking like that lately? Can you remember when things were like such and such? And as I've been thinking about these words, the reality hit me that we're actually all in a place of mourning. Throughout this COVID reality, we mourn what used to be. We mourn better days. We mourn our, our freedoms. And for good reason, for these are all losses. And in the midst of that, we we carry this fear that that the days will never be the same again and that we will never see better days. But it's in this space between our loss, between our expectations, the, the loss of our expectations and our actual reality, it's in this place that God can show up and give us a glimpse of himself and in a way that we can never experience when things are going well. In ways we could never experience in times of ease, in times of comfort, when things are just going smoothly. It's in these times we experience God in a whole new way and what we discover is that He is truly all that we need. We discover that in times of mourning, we can turn to our Heavenly Father and find His comfort. And in the midst of that, we can discover a couple couple of things, a few I should say, three things to be exact. I'd like to unpack them for us today. The morning we discover that when you lose what you want, you gain what you truly need. We all reach a point in life where what we want or what we we expect will not come to be. It it will not happen. We may even have good desires that aren't necessarily out of God's will. But when they don't come to pass, it can it can lead us to a, a sense of loss and disappointment to mourning. On life's journey, we will all suffer loss in some form. We will lose people that we love. We may lose our health, our jobs. Whatever it is, we'll all face loss in some way. It's in the midst of these times that God can show up and give us what we truly need. In Ecclesiastes Chapter 7 from verse 2 to 4, I'd like to read some words that I remember reading many times before and, and puzzled over these words. What, what does this truly mean? In Ecclesiastes we read Solomon who, who wrote these words, Better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. After all, everyone dies, so the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter. For sadness has a refining influence on us. A wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. It's an interesting verse, isn't it? It's quite dark if you read it at first. It's like, well, what's being said here? Because I know most of us would far prefer be at a party than at a funeral. And who doesn't want to seek after the good things in life? I mean, it's the, it's the standard, it's the norm, it's our, our natural way of being. And yet, only a fool thinks about having a good time, we read. See, there's this truth in the midst of these words that in times of loss, we are forced to focus on the things in life that really matter. It's in those times when we're faced with our own mortality, that we appreciate the life that we have and how precious it is. It's in those times that we learn to appreciate those around us who we love. And in my role, I am able to have the privilege of supporting many people in times of loss and also being to lead many, many funerals and celebration, memorial services, and after these times, I often come home after supporting family and, and loved ones and friends in these seasons, often come home and I just wrap my arms around my kids and my wife like, like never before. Because as you sit in these places, you come to realise what truly matters in life. You appreciate what you have. You know, it's in these times, in these seasons of mourning that we really understand what matters and it's in these times that what matters most is the very presence of God. His presence becomes all the more real in these seasons and in these times as we reach out to Him. You know, the evil one would love us to shake our fist at God in these seasons to turn our backs on him, to to walk in the opposite direction. He he would want to use these times to, to harm us, to distract us, to cause us to become bitter and hard and to cause us to weep in utter despair. But God would use these times to teach us, to sharpen us, to give us lasting joy as we learn to rely on him it's in these times where he offers his own comfort. We read that those who mourn will be comforted. As we unpack this, we see in Scripture, we see that our God is a God that comes and comforts us. In John 14, 26, 27 we read, but the advocate, and I'll pause. The word advocate has has many meanings. In NLT it's 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 Translated as, as advocate, but it also means our our comforter, our counselor. So the one who is who speaks on our behalf, who defends us, who comforts us, who counsels us, that is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Says Jesus. Peace I leave with you. Says Jesus. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is the promise that Jesus gives that in the tough times he will pour out and give us his Holy Spirit who will comfort us. And for what purpose? So that we may have peace. Peace I leave with you, says Jesus. So we are in a very blessed position as followers of Jesus Christ that in a season of so much turmoil we can find comfort in him. I honestly don't know for many who who don't have a faith how they're finding ways to get through in this season because we have God and the Holy Spirit who comforts us in this time and that's a message we can share, that's a hope we can share to those around us. Not only do we have the comfort of the Holy Spirit, we also read these words in 2 Corinthians 1 from verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the suffering of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So, not only are we comforted by the Holy Spirit and again by our Heavenly Father, we also comfort one another. As we receive comfort, we become those who comfort those around us. In the body of Christ, yes, and beyond. It's a privilege as God's people to be comforted and also to share his comfort with those around us. I was at a memorial service only a couple of weeks ago. I was able to conduct a memorial service for some old family friends and it was a more challenging memorial compared to some. In the midst of this, God encouraged me as well and challenged me with this upside down truth and Way of understanding of being blessed. You see, I've often counted it as a privilege to be there to support those in need. And we often do. We, I think there's a, it's a privilege to come around those who are in need, to, to lift them up, to be a, a shoulder to lean on. But as I was reading these words, I was also struck by the fact that it's a privilege to be comforted. It goes against our nature. It goes against a culture that says, no, you've got to be strong. Shrug it off. Get through it. Don't admit your weaknesses. Move on. Carry on. In these words, I know I was encouraged by God to say there are times where we just need to receive his comfort. Times where we can pause and admit that in our weakness we find strength in him. We don't just push through it in our own strength. No, we can admit and give permission to receive comfort from our God and to receive comfort from those around us. So maybe you're in a season now where you're finding it difficult, where, where life is tough. Maybe you've had people say, yeah, yeah, we'll get through this. Come on, don't worry, shrug it off. I want to give you complete permission for a moment to pause and to simply come before the Father in your brokenness, in your weakness, and to be comforted by Him, to receive comfort from those around you. Father, I would even pray for those right now. I pray that your Holy Spirit may come around them in this very moment, Lord, and in this day, and in the days to comfort in the days to come. I pray that you may be their comfort, that you may be their strength. For it's a blessing. It's our fortune to receive comfort from our Heavenly Father. You see, when we lose what we want, it's in that place that we can truly gain what we need. We also find this, that when you lose your dreams, you can gain God's vision. Now, it's true that we all have our own dreams and aspirations in life, isn't it? And when those things don't come to pass, it can often wreck us. It can be disappointed. It can be at these times where we turn and we blame God for, for not meeting our wishes or our expectations. We can blame God for not meeting our demands. But again, it is in this place in between our expectation and and reality, that God can show up and give us a new vision for what he wants us to do. When we are willing to trust him, we discover that his vision for us is often far better than the, the vision or the version of a vision that we had in mind. We often mourn life when our dreams are taken away from us, but if we can find a way to trust God, that mourning can actually turn into joy. This made me think of Paul, probably one of the most dramatic versions of this. is found in Acts 26. Now, this is a, a telling. This is Paul, Saul, Saul and Paul. This is his actual telling of his account when he has this account with Jesus Christ. And he's sharing this word to defend himself. He's actually in a, in a court. He's before King Agrippa defending himself. And he shares his story and this is how he shares it from verse 12. One day I was on such a mission to Damascus, armed with the authority and commission of the leading priests. About noon, your majesty, I was on the road and a light from heaven brighter than the sun shone down on me And my companions, we all fell down and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people that you have seen me and tell them what I will show you in the future and I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who were set apart by faith in me. Here's this drastic account that, that Paul gives, Jesus meeting him on the Damascus Road. And what was he doing? He was on his way to persecute the church. He was on his way to find followers of Jesus Christ and to place them in prison, to even have them killed. And he has an encounter with Jesus Christ who turns all of his plans upside down, complete 180. Jesus takes him and now sends him to share good news. To do the complete opposite of what he set out to do. His plans were turned completely upside down after his encounter with Jesus Christ. And he goes and he has the privilege of serving Jesus and affecting hundreds and thousands, tens of thousands of people because he was obedient and went and obeyed the vision that God had for him. Now you might say, okay, that's a pretty drastic experience but God so often turns our own plans upside down. I mean even good plans, even as we walk with Jesus often our own plans are good but they're often ours. They're often things that we've come up with and in a way we expect God and and we pray that he'll fulfill our plans, he'll fulfill our personal wishes. In a way God becomes our own personal genie. We rub the lamp and we say, Lord this is what I want can you make it happen? In a way we use God to reach our own means, our own desires but God will not and will never be ours to command. He is so much more and he also has so much more in store for you. So many times our dreams need to be broken before we can realize all that God has in store for us. Let's also be honest. These are good truths but if we look deep down, we aren't often fully convinced that God's plans are better for us than the ones that we can come up with. Like the missionary who uttered the words, okay God, I will go wherever you will send me as long as it's to Hawaii or one of those tropical places. Somehow, Deep down, we believe that God wants us to suffer and to go through tough seasons, to go through all the things we don't want to go through. Sometimes we just think he actually wants hardship for us, all those things we don't want, we don't need. So we pursue our own dreams, our own desires. The problem is they leave us wanting every single time. So the challenge for us is in the form of these questions, do you really believe that God has something better in store than your own plans and desires for your life? Do you really believe that he wants to offer you life and life to the fullest? Are you willing to trust him enough to lay down your dreams, to lay them down at his feet and to look to his vision for your life. It may not be an easy road, but the promise is this, it will be far greater than any dream you could imagine for yourself. And it's in this place of loss that we realise it. See, in mourning we discover that when you lose what you want, you gain what you need. You, you discover that when you lose your dreams, it's only in that place you can gain God's vision for your life. We also discover that it's when you lose your perfection, you gain God's grace. When you lose your perfection. What do I mean by when you lose your perfection? Well, think about that idea. Our perfection is that place to say that I don't need anybody, I don't need anything, I'm not broken, I am perfect. My life is okay. But it's in that place we can't accept God's grace in our lives for it's only in our brokenness that we can receive his grace. You see, mourning is a natural reaction to sin in our lives. It's a natural reaction to sin in our heart. And we see this in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. You might like to go and unpack it a bit yourself. We see this in King David, who we read and understand was a man who loved God, who was a man after God's own heart and yet he commits adultery with Bathsheba, murdering her husband in the process. And in the midst of this place, He writes a psalm and we catch a glimpse of his remorse, we catch a glimpse of his guilt, we catch a glimpse of his mourning in these words that he pens in Psalm 51. And I'd like to read the whole psalm. Good words for this season. Have mercy... On me, O God. Remember, this is David speaking. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. Now let me rejoice. Don't, let me, don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and, and they will return to you. Give me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice that you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Can you, can you feel the mourning and, and, and the shame that he feels for his actions? Can you see the repentance of his, of his heart, the, the stature of his spirit to come before, before God in repentance, acknowledging his brokenness and his sin? For mourning is an appropriate response to sin. It's the only response that leaves plenty of room for God's grace come face to face with our failure as we mourn appropriately, then God's grace has room to operate because our pride has finally been torn down. Mourning over our brokenness and sin opens the door to God's grace and his forgiveness. As we read in 1 John 9, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth, but if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we, can, if we confess our sins, He is faithful. He will cleanse us. In Ephesians 1 6 8 says, So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. You see, here's the promise that if we come in mourning, if we confess our sin, our God is good and he pours his grace upon us, he offers forgiveness, he lifts us up from brokenness and he calls us sons and daughters of God but it only comes when we let go of our perfection. When we come and we admit our brokenness and our sin before him, it's in this place that we find forgiveness and freedom in him. See, in mourning we discover that it's when we lose what you want that you gain what you need. Discover that when you lose your dreams, it's then when you can gain God's vision and it's when you lose your perfection, it's in that place you can gain God's grace. As long as we are su- as long as we are self-sufficient, as long as we only depend on our own strength, we cannot be dependent on God. It's when we lose what we want in life. It's when our dreams are shattered. And it's when we are face to face with the reality of our sin that's in this place that God can show up. It's in our weaknesses where He gives us strength. Can I pray? Father, we thank you for your truths. And in so many ways, they are contrary to so many things our world, our, our natural being would believe but Father there's so much wisdom in your words we thank you for your hard truth the upside down nature of your good news so we come before you Lord today recognising Lord that we are broken people, that we are sinners, that we need you Lord, we thank you that it's in this place that we find grace from you. That you give us strength, Lord. Lord, that you give us what we need. That we give us your vision. That you pour out your grace and your love and forgiveness upon us. So, Lord, help us not to run from you in pride. Help us to come before you humbly This place, Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit comes and fill us and empower us to live our days for you. And so for each person here this morning or whenever they may be listening to this right now, whatever place they find themselves in, I pray that your Holy Spirit may come and empower them and fill them afresh. Help us to come to you, Lord, with humility, it's in that place, Lord, where we find you. Help us to die to ourselves and by doing so find life in you. Life like never before, life, but Lord. Life in its complete fullness. So we give ourselves to you once more. We offer our lives, we offer our ambitions, we offer our dreams. We offer them to you, Lord, trusting and knowing that you watch us, that you lead us, that you guide us. And we thank you. We pray all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus and God's people say, Amen. I'd like to thank you for joining us in this time And now as you go, if you happen to be with someone, I want to encourage you to turn and stop for a moment. Before you run off into this day, just pause and have a chat with one another. Talk about what challenged you. Maybe what did God speak to you about in the midst of these words? If you're on your own, pause for a moment, ask the same questions. Lord, what are you saying to me in the midst of this time? What are the encouragements, what are the challenges that he has for you on this day? Otherwise, I pray that you may go knowing that he is with you. I pray that you may go in the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.